Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Cutback Podcast, where we keep our head on a swivel to bring you our living room commentary on the latest and greatest from the world of sports and the business that surrounds it. I'm Ian Burley. I'm Cullen Munns, and we're off and running. Off and running, indeed, right into opening day. A couple days away. How's your head? Is it above water? We are above water. Uh, I will say it is uh, a noticeable difference, a minor, uh, an opening day experience from the minor league level to the major league level. Yeah, expound on that a little bit. That was actually going to be the first question I had for you. This would be the first opening day, uh, where two days before opening day as of this recording, uh, two days before opening day where I've been home at 8 p.m. from work. Like that's that's not a that's not a common thing in minor league baseball. Those people are there probably till midnight, grinding it out, getting ready. Uh, and I guess it's just crazy at the major league level. It's just crazy how many people are all a part of what goes on to put on the the production. And so it just things get done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we both spent time in Eugene, and especially getting ready for opening day. There's what the ten front office employees. That's pretty much it, and you're doing literally everything. And everything in most major league baseball teams. There's at least a team of ten for each specific role that that entire team of ten is doing all together. And it's wild, but at the same time, you're like, okay, I get it, because there's like forty thousand people here, you know, and and like there's just x number of partners that you have that you just have to service and, and all of that. So you like understand how like it scales so fast on you, but I've never, never having been at this level or experienced an opening day at this level. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Just there's a lot going on and it, there's a lot, it feels like there's more financial responsibility behind what I'm doing, if you know what I'm saying, but the actual physical labor and like intensive responsibilities that come with it, I don't feel are necessarily there. And to, to, to double down on that, and you can expound on this maybe a little bit in your minor league experiences, there were days in minor league baseball where I felt if I didn't show up to work, the whole operation would stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like yeah. the whole wheel would stop turning if I did not show up to work. And I feel like if, you know, so like you're, there's this pressure in minor league baseball, like I can't afford to get sick in like season or it's going to be hell. and like at the major league level or so far at least i if i got sick or if somebody hit me with a bus the tigers are still going like there's nothing stopping them you know like it, I, there's nothing that feels like wow the weight of the detroit tigers is on me right now yeah the show will go on and you have even more hands to pick up the slack of when something happens and slack is needed to be picked up um okay so we both we're on like the business side of minor leagues, but also it's a little different because like you alluded to, and like we've talked to multiple times, like you're doing a little bit of everything. Like even when we were in the finance and accounting role, like we're out there running food sometimes and, and just, you know, doing whatever needs to be done, fucking vacuuming the turf on PK park to get wood chips out of it. Like, you know, you're doing whatever you have to do. So in this sense, now being on the business side of a big league club, do you feel like, has there been any like major differences in the preparation or is it just, it's a little bit more compartmentalized and you're more just worried about like your own role versus the entire operation? 
Oh, it's very much more compartmentalized. But I don't want to say I, I I've never worked in a in the role I'm in now. I've never worked in before, so I don't really have a an experience in this role at the minor league level. So it might be a little my experience, maybe a little apples to oranges. But even so, I, I like it's way more compartmentalized. Uh, there's nothing about me outside of the little conversations that happen between the food and beverage director and the sponsorship department on, you know, like exclusive partners and how we're going to make this work to with a concessionaire in a stadium and stuff like that. Outside of those conversations, nothing has been the same. I mean, it's very much more, I'm responsible for contracts and the corporate partners and executing those contracts. Whereas in the minor leagues, it was, yeah, I'm the food guy and I sling the hot dogs, but I also may have to dip into operations and set up and event planning and some sales, suite management, literally all of it. Yep. Um, okay, so a last question here that I have. Obviously, opening day is massive because you guys will kind of be getting used to what a game day looks like from when you are, like, quote-unquote, working a game and from your specific role with partnerships. Things are getting kicked off. Like, you're you're kind of troubleshooting through any issues with, like, asset activations, especially at the game from a... Um, like between inning stuff, stuff that's going up on the big board, obviously like signage, if anybody's doing anything on site, so on and so forth. All that shit aside, from your standpoint, being in partnerships, working with brands, is there an added excitement on opening day for brands to come do like hospitality stuff and having to do like the whining and dining client services type thing? Or does opening day not really kind of elicit that response and it's more maybe fourth of july or just like random days in the summer no and that that's the, the that opening day at the major league level is literally the super bowl like that's what baseball does major league baseball does with opening day it is the biggest day and for example like there's events all over downtown Detroit. The Tigers are throwing parties for corporate partners. People are literally where the game's already sold out, like, and we're three days out. So, I mean, it, it's wild how many people are excited about opening day, want to be a part of opening day. It's to the part, point where like companies will split suites just to be a part of opening day instead of like, so they'll work out agreements to where they each get half of it and split it which is amazing you'll never see that in any other yeah no chance never and they'll do it for opening day and so stuff like that at the minor league level there's some teams who do it really well and execute opening day really well uh looking at the people in amarillo and eugene and and execute opening day really well um there's others who for lack of a better term, punt and just rely on the 4th of July and, and real yeah. and you see minor leagues across the board, everybody, the whole level really lean into the 4th of July as like their day for minor league baseball, um, which I think is great. I think the minor leagues need to take a day uh, for them too. And I think 4th of July is great. So I'm not saying it's bad. They just pick their own separate silos to celebrate. Yeah, that's actually a great point. And you're absolutely right. I mean, 4th of July was, that was the whole deal. It was right. like, once you made it through 4th of July, you felt like you were smooth sailing. Getting to 4th of July, it's like, all right, like, it's go time. 
uh, two things here. One, do you have the suit picked out for Thursday night? Or Friday, actually, whenever the Tigers' first game is. Sorry. Well, shame on you, one, for not knowing when America's team takes the Saturday. Who it's knows? Friday afternoon. It's day oh, game. Day game baseball on Friday. Uh, okay. Your your Detroit Tigers taking on the Chicago White Sox. Uh, I did know that they were playing the White Sox. But uh, do I have the suit picked out? Yes, I do. Um, and you know, it's always fresh. That's yeah. the only way I play it. Okay. Love to hear it. Now, I have to interject with a premature crackback here Ooh. because of the way that the conversation has led. One, we talk about Major League Baseball being uh, opening day is the celebration of Major League Baseball, which I think you're absolutely right, especially being at some ballparks around that time and just even seeing stuff on social media. Massive celebration. Um, you also mentioned that shame on me. Don't know when the Tigers are playing their first game of opening day weekend that might be something that is more prevalent across major league baseball as colin are you aware how many nationally televised games major league baseball has on opening day weekend spanning thursday through sunday do you know how many give me a number three three fucking games are nationally televised three three a day no three total oh that's not good why is that I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was looking at the schedule like, okay, what opening day weekend baseball can I watch? There's literally three nationally televised games, and that includes games on like FS1. Gosh, that's terrible. Well, I didn't know that. I remember pre-COVID, the the opening day pre-COVID, which was the last legitimate opening day, um, ESPN did the the marathon where it was literally all day baseball. And that's why they had the weird ass starting times that you had. And it was literally like 11 o'clock. You had one game and we ESPN and ESPN two streamed pretty much played everybody, Um, which I don't know what impact the lockout had on, on that, uh, the ability to do that uh, because obviously opening day got shifted technically back 12 games for everybody. Yep. So I don't know what impact that whole schedule shift could have had on the national schedule, but either way, no matter how you cut that tomato, it's not a great look. Not a great look. And again, a example of like, does major league baseball want to market itself or do they not? Are we the biggest celebration of the season outside of the postseason, and three nationally televised games total over four days. Um, I was shocked. By that Still yeah that's am. that's bad it makes me think the schedule on ESPN was incorrect are you counting the uh the apple tv broadcast on friday night no i'm only counting cable televised games now that said off the top of my head i remember seeing apple plus next to like three or four games over the weekend total and espn plus next to maybe one or two yeah you you can go the apple plus the apple deal that's a that's another controversial part <laughs> but uh the apple deal i'm ready to count as national games just because they're a part of a national broadcasting deal similar to espn okay are they in households to a national scale no uh, i'm not that's the controversial part and so why would you black them out on your regional tv when they're on apple tv that's the my whole uh, 
<laughs> you wanted that. you wanted this to be a grab bag episode, and you're you're poking the bear. You're just poking the okay. bear. <laughs> okay, put the bear in hibernation. Mm-hmm. We we got plenty of baseball talk uh, for the episodes to come. Now there are some good things about baseball that we can kick off this grab bag work topic section. The first is in kind of both of our worlds. Major League Baseball, I think like four or five days ago, kind of released their guidelines for the jersey patch and helmet decal sponsorship program. A couple main things. It's going to be a four by four inch logo uh, that can go on either sleeve. That won't start until 2023. Uh, A couple interesting caveats. That sponsor in particular cannot be an alcohol brand, a betting brand, or a media brand. Uh, Same goes for the helmet decal, but the helmet decal can start in the 2022 postseason. So I'm going to be very curious to see how teams work that. I wonder if that's already in some contracts of like, if we make the postseason, you get the helmet decal, or if it's going to be something where if when a team makes the playoffs, uh, some of their partners have a mad dash of what they can get if it becomes a bidding war. I would lean towards the former. But I wouldn't be surprised if some of the latter happens as well. I, what I would tell you, you're going to see one of two things happen. Uh, one, you're going to either see a lot of the partner. You're going to see part like the, the teams to make the playoffs. You're going to see that mad dash highest bidding war. Who's going to be on it? And it'll be some weird crypto <laughs> crazy brand like that or something wonky. That's that'll be the people who jump in the other camp that you'll see is the teams who probably you weren't expecting to make the playoffs looking like the people that wear teal in Seattle, like that kind of team. You'll probably see somebody like T-Mobile, like the the stadium naming rights partner will get uh, slapped on there to start uh, just to show how much value you can bring. And they'll look to drive up the value of their biggest partner and keep them involved for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't, this is the first that I recall hearing about the helmet decals being able to be used this postseason. Is that accurate? Has that been something that they've been talking about for a little bit? They started talking about, it was for the CBA. I mean, that's what what came out of it. Uh, so this has been something that was one of those easy trades, like the expanded playoffs and the, the um, gosh, now I'm blanking, the universal DH. Uh, like those easy swaps, like this was one of the swaps that the players gave the owners in order to get Universal DH and things like that. Okay. Uh, all of that to say, I guess, at the very least, if I'm a brand and I'm a partner of a team, especially if I'm a big, like a big partner, one of their top spending partners, as soon as I heard this news come out at the very latest, I'm giving them a call being like, yo, how do we get like right a first refusal on this thing or something or like start to work in some language in the contract? Because that's going to be a uh, that's going to be the one of the most, if not the most highly visible asset, especially in the way that people are looking at just like raw impressions. Yeah. In, in the postseason. Yes. In the postseason, it's going to be one of the most visible nationally. So you're going to see you're also probably going to see some national brands jump in and I guess, yeah, I mean, it's, you're going to see some, some wild stuff for the postseason, but I want to see where the plane levels out once we get to an actual regular season. I want to see, because I don't think your jersey patch and your helmet are actually the most visible assets out there. Like, I, I think kind of like you're seeing with the NBA jersey patch, I think it's kind of a, 
if it's on your sleeve, if you're batting from a normal TV standpoint, you're too far away to see a four by four little thing on your sleeve and you'll never see it from the stands. So what are you really seeing there unless they're zoomed into a player for those X, Y, Z seconds? Yeah. So two things there. One teams will have to be very, um, intentional with like photos that they post on social media because they will need to bank on having great photos that include those decals and logos so that they can get social impressions and that'll help even things out. Yeah. Um, And then number two, I'll be curious if the league back channels with broadcast partners to adjust the way that the game gets broadcast in a way. Obviously I don't think they'll change the way that the, like pitches are broadcast, right? But a lot more close-ups in between pitches. Well, you, okay, so I would, to build on that, you, when you watch a baseball game, now your close-ups of the batters and pitchers are from a a full frontal view. I, is, that, is that right? Is that proper nomenclature? Yeah, yeah you're looking at them you're, straight on. You're looking at them straight on when they, when they do the close-ups. So you're saying like the shift, this change in broadcast would be these, zooms in would now be a profile or view to where you see the 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 shoulder patch yeah i mean who knows but that's a hypothesis that i'm not like think is too crazy to think about another one that i think is going to be interesting uh this is maybe a little bit of free game for the people who are listening but one thing that we've been hearing about across the nfl is the NFL kind of changed the way that the broadcast was done, even something as simple of like the implementation of those 8K cameras that kind of like blur out the background. League partners who had stadium signage, especially over like tunnels of locker rooms and and some of that type of stuff, exposure from broadcast standpoint across the board went way down. So that's a dilemma, right? Because if you're a brand and you see that now, let's say next year it stays the same and, and we start to see trends of like, okay, yes, this is just getting less exposure. I'm going to say, well, I'm going to pay less for that. Right. You know, like I'm paying less for that. My assumption is that teams and the owners are going to not want to charge less for that asset. So I also have a hypothesis that, you know, the team owners will be like, Hey, Hey, Fox, Amazon, show the fucking tunnel covers, okay? Like, give us the, like, what are we doing here? Like, the pie is big enough. Show the fucking tunnel covers. (laughs) So I'll be curious to see. I I think it's really interesting. And now seeing that, like. That's the episode title right there. The pie is big enough. Show the tunnel covers. The pie is big enough. Show Show, me your tunnel covers. (laughs) Show me your tunnel covers. We hit it. We hit it. There it is. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Show me your tunnel covers. Oh, that shit's funny. Um, Let's stay in this kind of realm because one thing that we mentioned about the jersey patch on Major League Baseball, three categories of sponsors that will not be allowed to have those alcohol betting media. You brought up a great point in terms of these kind of sin categories and the little bit of difference in how some of them are being accepted into the into the uh, professional sports landscape and some are not yeah it's such a weird landscape entirely weird landscape because they they there's so many different rules for just the vices 
in in society in, in society sponsorship like society society at large has a problem with vices uh but but no i'm saying the vice category being weed alcohol betting uh what was the other one that got media which uh, that one's not really a vice that's but, not a vice but still odd that they put it on there what yeah well the media companies they're all such conglomerates that they all touch they touch so many different things well, and, and like they don't want Bally Sports being on the Tigers jersey while they're playing on ESPN. Right. <laughs> like, and they don't want 97 won the ticket. They're yeah. like on there while yeah, while they're on ESPN either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you brought up a good point about like I think we can use the NFL as a case study here. I mean, I guess really all the professional leagues at this point. Alcohol, I think you can almost move to the side because while alcohol is quote unquote advice. Well, not quote unquote, it is a vice. It's also been federally legal for ages. So like it almost is in its own category where I mean, prohibition wasn't that long ago. A hundred years ago now. Sheesh. Now you're making me feel old. <laughs> well, you remember the days of prohibition. <laughs> yeah. Back in the days of bootlegging. <laughs> Dude, if you guys haven't seen Lawless, incredible movie about that time period i think it's completely fiction we got shia labeouf we got tom hardy it's a beautiful movie check it out um book talk but i it's called lawless lawless is it or is it is this the start of the book talk segment no this is <laughs> this is a quick movie aside to watch lawless if you haven't because it's about some bootlegging oh gotcha okay <laughs> okay so um but i guess when you look at alcohol betting weed Alcohol, federally legal. Okay, whatever. Betting and weed, legal in a lot of states, not legal federally. Sports betting is not legal everywhere. So to see the mass adoption of sports betting versus zero adoption of cannabis outside of like individuals, I guess. And even then they have to like sell it as a CBD sponsorship. Yeah, uh, it is, is interesting. And I think it brings up an interesting point because you see a lot of gambling helpline commercials, as we were talking about in the warm up. You don't see any weed helpline commercials. <laughs> no, but they, because it's not federally legal or it's not even Neither legal. sports betting. A good point. I mean, but they're still called weed is still a schedule one narcotic <laughs> like that's Yeah, which <laughs> also wild. <laughs> But you can do it in you can do it in many states. <laughs> yeah, which is nuts. What are we? What is what is the world? What is society? I, it's broke. I think that's a perfect encapsulation of our society, actually. Well, and it's also a perfect perfect encapsulation of the rules with sponsorship around these vices. Like, why yeah. does alcohol get a free pass when in the state of Oregon, alcohol and weed have state in the state have the same legal status? Yeah. As does sports betting. Right, and sports betting in Oregon. Also, they're all in line, but alcohol gets a free pass. Weed, no chance. And sports betting, it depends on the situation. Like Depends on the situation. Uh, should we throw crypto into the vice category? No, we throw crypto into the nobody knows what the hell's going on with it yet, and it's so unregulated and nobody knows what they're doing. So we throw it into the gambling category. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's way a bigger fit. Yes. Because you know who's spending a lot of money? Crypto companies. And you know who's taking all of it? The sports industry. <laughs> like they are saying, yeah, sure, 
we'll take that hundred billion. Make sure you pay us in cash, not whatever your crypto shit is. Crypto.com arena. Yeah. They, I mean, they're just, but they're all picking those brand awareness assets that are just getting their name out there. Uh, so I'm interested, like once the big ones get their name out there and things like that, what do they do from there? Do they stick around in the sports world? Because that's, or do they move on to get build that recognition in other marketing platforms? Do those companies stick around in general? You know, I think that's question number one. <laughs> I, how much crypto have you invested in? I mean, you're a millennial. I have invested in crypto. I made one purchase and Doge? You know, we're, hang, we're hanging in there. You a Doge guy? No Doge, no Joe, no Doge. I'm on the Ethereum train over here. I was told oh. it's like investing in the railroad. You know what? I like the railroad. How's the railroad doing these days? Uh, the real railroad or Ethereum? <laughs> uh, I, I guess I want the answer to both, but my my comment was asking about the the real railroad. Well, like most infrastructure in the United States, I think the real railroads are probably falling apart at the seams. But you know, they're <laughs> hanging on. They they still get the job done. Uh, I've never been on an Amtrak that goes off the track, so that's that's good. a valid point. Ethereum is hanging around. It's still slightly below what I bought it at, which was at its lowest it had been in like five months. So like when I bought it, it was at the lowest it had been in five months. I'm like, let's fucking go. Like it's only going up from here. Boom, straight fucking down after that. Uh, so it's, it's, it's recovering. I check it like once a week because I basically decided if I'm going to put money into this, I'm, also okay with just setting this money on fire so i'm just gonna sit it forget it see what happens but i also want to point out to the people as a person who uh invests in the crypto market you are also a gambler in the sports more in the sports world yes yes i looked at them somewhat the same but i feel much more confident in my ability to make money gambling that's what I say to all these losers in the financial industry who are like, you can invest your money and make all this. You might as well just freaking bet on sports because that's more your it's that's what the stock market is. Well, yeah. So there's two things, right? Like I think people who are day trading stocks, that is that is gambling. I mean, that's it's gambling and there's people who are really good at it because they notice trends and all this type of stuff. They find where there's value just like people do in gambling on sports. But there's <laughs> um, an element of luck there too. Of course, of course. And but I think I think when people say invest your money, invest your money, they're mostly talking about these long-term investments into like the S&P 500 and mutual funds and all these things that have historically gone up like what, eight to 10% annually. So I, we're talking a little bit different things. It's the same in crypto, right? Like the people who you see who talk about how they became fucking multimillionaires in the crypto space is because they were day trading, betting, gambling with crypto. And then you know what they did? They cashed it the fuck out. That's right. the whole thing. I'm still like, you guys still talk about this value in dollars. So like I get it as an investment thing, quit saying that bitcoin is going to become the main currency that's been used because the only way you talk about bitcoin is about how much it is valued in dollars yeah and the people who you got to replace are the banks and guess who there who's fighting against you hand over yeah, fist and, and some banks are buying cryptocurrency but that's because banks listen to wu-tang they diversify their bonds okay like what the fuck are we talking and about? and i don't think any banks are using 
crypto as currency. They're using it just like you said, turn it into dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's just an invest. It's like having gold. I mean, it's it's a store of value because people believe it has value that they'll be able to get more value out of out of the next person. So it's the same thing as a LeBron James NFT. Essentially, it's if you can convince somebody that this has value, it has value. If you can't, it doesn't. Oh God! Oh, now God. notice. Okay, this will wrap up this rabbit hole. <laughs> this is especially something in Bitcoin, and it's happening from people that were originally on my Twitter for like real reasons, and now they push Bitcoin all the time. Are these the same people that push the multi-level marketing plans that you that? Those those people are those the same people that push Bitcoin? No, I'm talking like athletes and sports personalities, like people across all aspects of my Twitter who say Bitcoin is the next thing, so on and so forth. Well, it's something like 90% of Bitcoin is owned by 10% of people. That's worse than the 80-20 rule for those of you who have heard the 80-20 rule. So if you have a shit ton of Bitcoin, of course you would tell everybody that they should buy it because the only way your massive store of Bitcoin that you've put a lot of real money into has any value is if you convince some motherfucker to buy it from you. So of course they're pushing it. I'm like, what are we doing? Did we just turn our podcast into like Freakonomics? <sighs> I don't know. I'm not that smart, but that seems pretty obvious to me. Dude, we're just a couple of guys who like sports, but I feel like our last few episodes, we've devolved into like the breakdowns of the economic and societal system. Yeah, and people are probably like, these kids are fucking idiots. Who are these guys? They sound like get off my lawn guys. They they like to talk sports. They can't even swim in their own lane. I, I can't believe the hundred one of the hundreds of thousands hasn't told us to shut up and dribble yet. Oh man, maybe this will be the week. If you would like to tell us that, most of you who listen either have our numbers or have our Twitters. So, you know, let yeah, it rain. At the, okay. at the cutback pod, hit us up hundreds of thousands, call us out. You know, we like to fight. I'm the heel and I'll do it. <laughs> uh, speaking of cashing in, can we talk about how Wojbaum and Adam Schefter of the University of Michigan both just cashed in massive five year? multi-million dollar deals with espn did you see these figures i did not see the figures but i saw they inked deals Woj, five year 35 million dollars shefty five year 45 million dollars wow i mean cashing in dude yeah i mean but honestly like those are the two guys when you think of basketball and football on espn reporting it's those two. It's not. It's not Sean Salisbury, John Clayton, RAP. It's not those people anymore. Keyshawn. It's it's not yeah. them. It's Schefter. If when you think like football reporting and basketball reporting, there's one name, and, and maybe Shams. Shams is a close second, uh, distant second. But he's got to be pumped when he saw five year, thirty five million. He's oh, like, Shams. oh. I'm getting the payday's bag. coming. Payday's coming. Yeah, that's a different conversation for a different time. But yeah, I mean, who who was uh Mortensen? Chris Mortensen was kind of before Shefty, and Shefty has even talked about he was like his mentor and kind of showed him the way. But Shefty is the one who can capitalize on the market becoming what it's becoming. Yeah, I would agree. And wasn't even Ed Werder before before No, Ed Werder was was more of like a beat reporter. 
he was in like the beat reporter with specific yeah, like Val doing Val reports. Antonio from... equal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with yeah. you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, staying in, I guess we'll stay kind of in the NFL here. Interesting thing that I read actually today, the NFL wants to grow their international business. So just their business overseas to at least $1 billion annually in revenue per year over the course of the next decade. So by the end of this decade, they want to be at that billion dollar a year revenue internationally. They're projecting 50 million additional international fans over that 10 years. They say they already have 150 million international fans compared to 180 million fans domestically. First of all, thoughts on that? Dude, I don't understand the NFL's like the NFL is persistent in that they've tried so many times to branch out to Europe particularly, but nowhere else. It doesn't feel like they're going anywhere but Europe and maybe dabble in Mexico. Um, but I, they they don't – I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think that's just not true. They didn't – wasn't the last two games they held in London, didn't they not even sell out Wembley? Oh, see, I was just going to say I think that they've sold out every game in Europe, but – I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, okay, hold on. Uh, plug the socials while I look this up. Well, I'll actually stay in this topic because you mentioned how they're trying to do all of these different things uh, to really like increase international love of the sport and following of the NFL. Their latest tactic that they put out today, they want to get flag football in the 2028 Olympics. Dude, I would be down for that. I would be very down. And also that could be both men's and women's flag football. Ooh, I I'm, I'm about it. Um, so, so circling us back, uh, they sold out, they missed in 2019. Uh, they did not sell out the Cincinnati Bengals, Los Angeles Rams game, uh, in at Wembley stadium. And then the game before that, uh, which was not at Wembley, it was at the Hotspur stadium. They did not sell out was Carolina Tampa, but the, okay. uh, so two out of the last five did not sell out. But those stadiums also have higher capacities than the average NFL stadium, correct? Uh, no. Ta- yeah. Wembley. Yes. Tottenham. No. Ta- Wembley stadiums capacity is 85,000. Um, and they did not sell it out. They only hit 81,000 as capacity, uh, 81,000 in attendance for the Bengals Rams. And then the Hotspur is 60,000 capacity, uh, and they had 54,000 in attendance. Yeah, so 54 even for a game in the U.S., not great. Um, Okay, I I think that can wrap up our grab bag of the work topics. Uh, We've got some play topics to also grab bag our way through. Today is Tuesday. We just had something massive happen Sunday and Monday, and we have something massive happening this weekend. Let's start with the past March Madness wrap-up. The Gamecocks of South Carolina bring home the Women's National Championship and Rock Chalk Jayhawk via the largest comeback in National Championship game history uh, locked it up last night as well. What were your initial thoughts? Did you get to watch both games? I did watch. I watched both games. Um I would be lying if I said it didn't take a text from you for me to tune in to the to the women's championship game uh, to get me to tune Fair. in. But I did I did tune it in. I so I missed the first 
what, 90 seconds, I think, of the game? Was, yeah, not much. Yeah, right. So, anyway, um, dude, South Carolina's amazing. Like, that team is just way better than everybody. Like, it's yeah. not even close. Uh, so that's my opinion there. Not a whole lot of analysis. Uh, I get, I'm not very versed on it. But South Carolina is just good. Like, good, good, good basketball team. I mean, they handled UConn basically the entire game. I mean, they got out to a quick lead and basically never looked back. Well, but they do, it's not – yes, they dominated them, yes. But it's just the way they go about it. It's just it's it's just dominance, and they never got taken out of their tempo – it, it's they never looked like they were you know on the ropes at any point they were like even with UConn I think the biggest run UConn ever made was a 6-0 run the entire game and it was because they just hit back-to-back threes on a three-pointer missed missed shot in another three-pointer and like so just three possession run so I mean that's wild you I mean talk about controlling a basketball game that's nuts yeah, and UConn is obviously a very good team. Like, they weren't there by a fluke. Uh, and the thing that I thought was crazy going into the game, they had a stat on neither of those teams had lost a national championship game prior. UConn was like 11 or 12-0 and 0 in national championship games, and South Carolina was 1-0. So just that stat alone, I was like, whoa, that's pretty wild. That's impressive. No way, uh, whatever way that you chalk it up. How about Kansas? Oh, Hold sorry, on. Go ahead. One, one more point on the women, just because I think they deserve it. I think the biggest, like, if you were an outsider t- talking about women's bas- women's college basketball in the last decade, uh, maybe 15 years, whatever, I don't, whatever you want to call it, the only team you talked about was UConn. Like, it was UConn and nobody. And I think for the, it, like, the last five years or three years, whatever, it's like, it's changing to where you're starting to see the field of the top expand. And I think South Carolina has officially locked itself in. I mean, Stanford was doing it for a while and Tennessee kind of dabbled, but I think South Carolina is there and it's like South Carolina and Yukon are like the programs. Yeah. Don Staley is an immaculate coach and she's just getting started. So I imagine South Carolina will be, around for a long time unc kansas was a wild game kansas comes out starts up seven nothing looks like all right here we go like unc's run is over then all of a sudden unc's up 15 at halftime yeah dude well okay not to not to make everything about michigan even though it should be um that whole and i text you you guys this it just felt like when the second half started and maybe the when they hit that first time out in the second half it just felt like so much like 2013 Michigan in the national championship like you just could feel it slipping away and they hadn't even given up the lead yet but you could just feel it like it was it was just there and like Michigan didn't have near that big of a lead and I I also say like North Carolina's lead they gave it away over such an extended period of time that it really didn't feel like a huge comeback as opposed to just like this slip, this constant just slipping out of your fingers and they were trying to hold on to the very end and it just got away. Like that's what it felt like. You just had this sinking feeling. And I just the comparisons to 2013 Michigan getting over the hump, beating like the big opponents and then like North Carolina beat Duke beat uh, the number one seed uh, earlier. 
Baylor, thank you. Um, beat them earlier in the tournament. You you were you're going in Kansas, coming off the probably biggest win in program history in the Final Four against Duke, and then let it slip like that. And so it's just it's gut wrenching. My takeaway from it was that uh, because I saw Kansas play, obviously, um, who'd they play in the Final Four? Villanova. Uh, the game before that, they played Miami, and the game before that, they played Providence. And I think I watched all of those games. And the common theme that I had was like, Kansas, if they decided to, could win every game and beat everybody. But sometimes they basically let the game slip away. It happened in the Miami game. They were down big at halftime and then came out and, or excuse me, they were down like six or seven at halftime, but then won by like 20. Villanova that game was a lot closer at times than it should have been but when Kansas decided they wanted to win they win and I thought that was kind of the same or I guess that's why I felt like they always had a chance even when the second half started of like hey if they come out and play their game like they could do something but you're right it was a slow slippage because for a bulk of the game it still ended up being like a five point game either way and at that point I mean, at that point, literally anything can happen. And we saw it came down to the end. Kansas runs out of bounds when they could ice the game up. And Carolina gets the ball with the chance to tie the game. That stepping out of bounds, what in the world was that play call? What in the, that was the, that stepping out of bounds. Why would you ever do that? Like it just, the whole thing didn't make any sense. I get trying to go down court, but why it just, the whole thing was bad. But my, no, another takeaway that I had from Kansas's run. Uh, Remy Martin is a poor man's Bruno Mars. <laughs> yeah, dude, I didn't realize how ugly his jump shot is. I, I would, it, if you told me that was Bruno Mars playing as like Uncle Drew, I would believe it. Like, I, I would be totally believe every bit of it. Now, I remember Remy Martin from Arizona State and realizing that he was a stud. Now at Kansas, obviously this game he had a I mean he had a big game. He ended up hitting like four threes or something, had some some big plays, but yeah, I didn't maybe it was because at Arizona State he was just slashing all the time, but like his jumper is ugly as hell, dude. I was like, what is this? Is this the same dude that played for Arizona State? Because I remember him being awesome. He was Pac 12 player of the year. Yeah, and he got a whole alcohol named after him. Yeah, that's pretty good. And now he's a national champion. So I was ultimately glad you and I basically t- got to the point before the game where we were like, we just want to see a good game. And ultimately we saw a pretty great game. So I'm happy with it. Decent March madness. I, yes. am very pleased. We saw an eight seed get to the national championship. I would say that's cool. Uh, the game was great. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird when the eight seed is like a blue blood name that everybody knows, but still an eight seed. Yeah, no. And I, I think, I think it's, the game was great. The final, both final four games I thought were good. Fun to watch. Uh, the Duke North Carolina game is going to go down as one of the greatest college basketball games in our generation. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, man, I feel bad for the Duke players a little bit, but that was a I tough game. Fuck them. I don't feel bad for anybody at Duke. They can, no, not a chance, but I, yeah, I, I don't think it was fair to the players to have to go through that whole like swan song swan song season because that's a lot of extra added pressure from everybody that they had to deal with every day then just stay next year 
Yeah. I mean, I'll be curious. I, I don't think Duke will fall off at all. I mean, when you watch the games, like Shire, John Shire, who's taken over for Coach K, on the sidelines, like he was very active in the game and coaching. So, like, I think Duke's going to be just fine. I do too. Duke is not going anywhere. It might get better. It might get better. Which that's a crazy thought to me. I it, the strategy of Duke basketball might get better, but I mean the the recruiting aspect is what I'm interested to see. I mean, uh, yeah, yes, you're absolutely right. If That'll the recruiting stays the same and the strategy goes up, Duke's going to be stupid good. Yeah, it's going to be silly. Um, let's go to what is upcoming this week. Uh, not a huge golf podcast by any means, but the Masters are coming up, and there are reports that they're is a rather large cat roaming around Augusta. Is it, is it a cougar? Spots. Is it a lion? Well, is it the North a... Campus Cougar? Did the North Campus Cougar make its way down to Augusta? She got on the Vomit Comet, and now she's all the way in Augusta. Skipped wow. Central Campus, skipped South Campus, all the way straight to Augusta, Georgia. Because she knows that there's a tiger on the loose. <laughs> there's a t- Do you? Okay, let's be serious. Do you think Tiger's actually going to play? As of today, he said he's playing. And he said, somebody asked him, do you think you can win the Masters this year? And he said, I do. I'm like, God damn. Well, okay, hold on. What's he supposed to say to that question? No, I'm just here. Like, what's he? Yeah, I think that is the only thing that he can say. But at this point, it, it feels like he's basically said that he is going to play. Now, it would suck if he comes out and like has to pull out because he like doesn't feel good or like doesn't make the cut, but maybe something wild will happen. This is Tiger Woods we're talking about. Okay, two things. One three things. Three things. One, uh <laughs> okay. Tiger Woods adds eyeballs no matter where he is to the game of golf. Period. Without and, a doubt. And so just the fact that Tiger's even talking about returning eyeballs will be involved even if he comes out and plays the worst game of golf you could ever imagine people will watch way more than they would watch the masters if he wasn't playing point one point two um i do not expect tiger to play i think it would be nothing short of amazing giving the injury he had that was not that long ago in, in the grand scheme of things um given the that injury and the fact I can't even believe he's walking after what they said happened to his legs, much less win the mat play in the masters than win. Uh, I don't think it will happen, but if it does, I will be one of the eyeballs in point one that would not give two rats rears about the masters. If tigers wasn't playing, but I'll tune in. Yeah. Seeing the photos of the amount of people watching his practice round, which was today, I believe was insane i mean it's like more uh, there was people everywhere so the people are geared up going to augusta would be an awesome awesome experience lastly point three uh there's zero chance tiger wins the masters zero (laughs) percent no way i i will literally on this podcast and the twitch channel i will do something ridiculous if tiger Woods wins the masters (laughs) Okay. Okay. I can't wait to find out. The Vegas doesn't think he stands a chance either for for what it's worth. Um let's jump into a couple of our dedicated segments of the week because we uh you have a crackback and a fire breather. I have a crackback uh after or in addition to my premature crackback at the beginning of the episode. So 
let's just go a little do si do round we go. Uh, you go crack back, I go crack back, you go fire breather. That'll lead us right into the fantasy five. Love it. Okay. Uh, so me first. Yes, sir. Your uh, your crack back or your fire fire breather, really, whichever one you want. All right, let's start fire breather because I'm spicy <laughs> and ready to go, and I want to give folks you know here. Alan's been drinking apple juice over there. What I have. Uh, I've had a few a few apple juices, and folks, I'm ready to. You know, here on the Cutback Podcast, that we love a good tease. Um, Ian's a tease. He teases the ladies with his flexes uh, constantly for the Twitch channel. The, mo- the most flexes you'll ever see on on the Twitch. Um, oh my gosh! But- Slander. <laughs> Ian's a tease. Libel. This is libel. Uh, we love a good tease, and this, folks, my fire breather is a tease for. Next week, I'm going to give you a tease, but then I'm going to double tease you because we're Ooh. going to revisit this topic in two weeks. Uh, so first tease, we're going to have a guest next week. Uh, yes. We are going to have a guest, folks, so be sure to tune in. Hundreds of thousands. We know how much you love guests. And little tease, to, you know, little um, – this is a returner, uh, a returning Ooh. guest uh, that has been wildly acclaimed by the hundreds of thousands. He's coming back, so make sure you tune in next week. There's teaser one. Uh, teaser two. Do you, the loyal members of the hundreds of thousands will remember back in the day when people called me crazy and said I flipped heel and said it was bad. The show lost its edge. Um, <laughs> we'll remember the letter, the infamous letter that I talked about that was sealed by Major League Baseball. Well, folks, that letter is being unsealed, and it's it, the courts ordered it unsealed, and in two weeks, we will know what is in that letter. And why does it, why do, you're saying, Cullen, why do we care? That's so old. It was 2017. Why does this matter? We shouldn't care. Well, folks, Brian Cashman, GM of the New York Yankees, uh, came out this week and said that he cannot, he was tired of getting lashed out at by Yankees fans because they couldn't get over the hump because they've done it right. They've built the team the right way. They've drafted good. They've signed well. And the only reason they did not win the the World Series was because one of the greatest scandals in sports (laughs) history prevented them from getting there. And folks, I want to tell the GM of the of the New York Yankees to shut your bum ass up because that for two reasons. One, you're the biggest crybaby I've ever heard in my entire life, and you're going to get busted in this letter in two weeks. And two, it's not good for the sport of baseball that I work in either, that you keep bringing up 2017 when you're just as guilty for cheating too. So double rods, Brian Cashman and the New York Yankees. You absolutely hate to see it. I can't wait to hear more about that in two weeks. That's a double tease for the people, even a triple tease, even a triple tease. Uh, My crack back of the week. We are in a fantasy baseball league together now for the first time. We are. I'm excited. We are. The cynical chupacabras is that the, is that I, the league name? You know, I there is a member of the hundreds of thousands. He the commissioner does listen. Uh, I this is a good time to call him out. I don't understand the league name. I that th- that predates me. I mean, it was memorable to me. I kind of just pulled that out of nowhere. So, if nothing else, I'm aware of what the league name is. That's us. It, it's a, <laughs> I'm excited. 
so I'm excited about that. Now, however, the league was almost not to be as ESPN Fantasy Baseball sites. Massive crash on Sunday. Twitter was a cesspool of people going at ESPN Fantasy Sports. I still think to this day that they just acted like nothing, nothing happened. happened. They literally just said, nope, plane's still going. <laughs> So for those of you not in the fantasy baseball world, uh, ESPN in general, I got to think hosts the most like fantasy sports leagues across like football, basketball, baseball, whatever else fantasy you can do. Obviously bracket challenges like ESPN is used probably the most out of anybody for at least an hour, potentially over an hour on Sunday, which was also probably the largest draft day for Major League Baseball because people are trying to have their drafts as close to the regular season so they know injuries, trades, all that type of stuff, especially with the nature of the Major League Baseball season this year and how things in terms of uh, personnel have been kind of shifted to the very, like right before the start of the season. The entire server was down for like over an hour. So we got fortunate where... We weren't even able to start our draft. I was in another league where we had had like literally one or two picks. So we were able to just fully reset and start over. Wasn't that big of a deal on Twitter. People were talking about, they were like three quarters of the way through the draft, halfway through the draft. It kicks everybody out, auto drafts, their teams. They can't go back and like, see who was picked where and who's on what team complete clusterfuck for somebody like ESPN to have any issues with that, like that's something that some like startup fantasy platform would have an issue. Especially on the day that that it happened. Like I would tell you that weekend last weekend was probably the biggest weekend for fantasy baseball. There was, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You can't miss like that's your, that you can't miss then as a programmer. Yeah. It's as you're a software as a service company at that point. And you just effed up one of your like bigger days of the year. So not good. They also, like we said, just didn't acknowledge it at all, but they did get roasted on Twitter pretty bad. Speaking of roasting, you got a fire breather this week, Mr. Munz. I do have a fire breather. Um, or no, excuse me. You already gave your fire breather. You I have did. a back as well. That's what I was just about to say. I did have a fire breather. And if you want to revisit it, come back to my fire breather in two weeks, uh, yes. two weeks, folks. That's when we'll revisit that. But my crack back this week, uh, folks, I don't know if you remembered, only the loyalist will. Um, we did do our MLB playoff predictions last week, um, and we did that before Vegas had the balls to release their MLB win totals for the year. So Ian and I gave you our predictions based off raw knowledge of the sport of baseball, and Vegas came in pretty much off of our podcast play with their totals. Um, folks, there are some strange totals uh, in the MLB world, um, the Vegas, just some quick hitters here for you before we get into those strange ones. Dodgers are, have the highest win total in baseball. That's not a surprise. 98 and a half, which, um, to me is low. Cause I think the Dodgers are by far the best team in the national league and in the national league West, but, uh, 98 and a half. And they are leaps and bounds ahead of number two, uh, which is America's second favorite team, uh, your team, my team, the Houston Astros, uh, being second, which I have the second highest win total in the entire league. And that is our first weird call of the day to me, because the Houston Astros being the second best team in baseball without Carlos Correa, without Zach Greenkey, 
Yes, Justin Verlander's returning, but we've got a lot of question marks down there. I'm not – that's wild to me. But to follow that up, the one that is the strangest of them all to me, um, the Chicago White Sox, uh, 93 and a half wins, which would be – which would be – excuse me, 92 and a half wins, tied with the Houston Astros and the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, which would put the Chicago White White Sox as the fourth best team in baseball, and I think that's loony. Absolutely, you think loony. that's low. No, I think that's absolutely way too high. Oh, really? I, I think the Chicago White Sox would be lucky to touch ninety. Okay. Okay. I, there's so no you think the Central will be more uh, contended in the AL than maybe years prior. Yes, Tigers, Twins, and White Sox will will compete with each other very tightly within they'll be all within that high 80s mid you know mid to high 80s range beat each other up a little bit exactly uh last question for you and i'll let this go who's the worst who's got the lowest win total in the league because i missed here okay well the only guess that i have which i imagine was probably your guess so i'm probably wrong too would be the pirates the Pirates was my guess, and I thought it would not be close because the Pirates have the lowest salary and have the lowest talent in my eyes. Uh, Baltimore, and they're talking about trading some of their like better prospects and players <laughs> or starting them in the minor leagues this year. Yes, the Pirates, uh, not last. Baltimore is two and a half games worse than uh, Pittsburgh. So I wonder uh, if uh, with, with both the Orioles and even the Astros, I wonder if is that a result of the divisions that they play in? So there's a little bit of bump based on their competition, maybe? The Orioles, I say yes. The Astros, that's why I'm so confused by it, because I think the AL West has gotten so good um, hmm. this year with the Angels getting bolstered. The Angels, the Mariners, and the Rangers aren't terrible. They're gonna, the Rangers are going to finish fourth, but out of all the fourth-place teams in the American League, I would tell you the Rangers are probably going to be – if not the second best, the best. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you still see the Astros coming out of that division. I think we both did, but you see it being more highly contested than Vegas does. A hundred percent to the point that I picked an, another AL West team to make the playoffs. Yeah. The M's. Yeah, I did. I took them. I, so yes, I, I think it's going to be way closer. And, and, and I, the only reason I truly am, co- I'm not confident that the Astros win the division. The Astros are one injury away from being in a race. Yeah. Okay. I can't wait. I'm excited to see it play out. I'm hoping for a great baseball season and a great uh, fantasy baseball season for both the iBlack All-Stars and get Miggy with it. Uh, what about you? So no love, no love for me. You're not even, you're not even going to cheer, cheer, help my team get, get a little r- run. Listen, if we can find some mutually beneficial ways to help each other, we can collude on those things. No, no, no. I would just like to get in the play. I'm a playoff team. I believe just get in the playoffs and you're good. It, let the let the cards fall where they may. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what's your team name? I can't remember off the top of my head. Captain Big Stick, man. Captain Big Stick. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Old squad. All right. You got one more crackback for the people before we get in the fantasy five. Uh, No, I think I already gave it. Oh, okay. Well, so we're it was the it. premature. So we're going right into the fantasy five, which I'm excited for this one this week. 
I am too. I, I do have a clarifying question. Um, okay. we, we said we said last week, uh, two weeks ago, when we did the Fantasy Five, we said we were going to stop giving the intro. Are we are we going to do that for the hundreds of thousands? I think no intro. All no right. intro. Do we, we we do use the snake system because we live in a society? Yes, always. But yeah, it separates us from the animals. So just know that. But this week topic. Did another yeah. Did you have another clarifying question? Well, I got to get the topic before I ask oh, the clarifying gotcha. okay. question. Okay. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, the topic this week, best gas station snacks. Mm, yes. Road tripping. Road tripping. Now, my clarifying question, is this f- solely food items or is beverages included as well? I think beverages are included. I have a couple in my like total list. Okay. All right. So I think beverages are included. Uh, the only other thing um, would be like certain like flavors of things. That's, that was follow up. And I say we should umbrella uh, flavors within one item. Yes, so you- I would agree. I would think that we can call out our favorite flavor, but if for you're, these, getting, you're getting the entire product, the whole line, the, you're getting the umbrella. Yes. All right, cool. I'm on board. Okay, so we need to figure out a way to see who uh, decides if they had the first or second because, one, I have yet to post our selections, uh, but also that even so wouldn't be something for people to vote on necessarily. That's just going to be a regular IG post. Uh, so we need to know who gets to go first in this uh, in this one. You got shall, anything we, about shall we go back to the handy-dandy uh, web Webfoot Battalion coin? Yes. Absolutely. I, yeah, this is becoming a staple of the uh, we don't have a tiebreaker for the Fantasy Five coin. Uh, what, are, what are the sides again? You got the University of Oregon seal, and then you've got the battalion, lo- the Webfoot Battalion logo. Okay. You can call it in the air. All right. Here we go. I'm going the seal. We got, oh, no. we got, a, we got a drop, but it is, it is still the seal. It's still okay. the seal. Okay. Uh, and uh, so you know you know what we do here. I'm seeding that first pick. Okay, I'll take Gardettos. Whoa! Definitely not what I saw coming with the first overall pick at all. Gardettos are so good. They are immaculate. Wow. Okay. Oh God. You. So I had concerns when I was building my list. <laughs> uh, but but I also now I just need to just say it for the people. Um, I have a wrought iron stomach. Like it is made of wrought iron and I eat garbage when I go on on road trips. Well, I know where Colin's picks are going. (laughs) Wait, where is it going? (laughs) Feels like Colin's going to start picking the shit like the, the Tostitos or Taquito tornado Taquitos that they have on like the warming. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. Not, no, I'm not a, I'm not a rolling hot dog guy. No. (laughs) At the local gas station. (laughs) No, it's not that bad. Um, But. Tornado. God, I'm even disappointed that you took me there. But well, when you say you have a wrought iron stomach, I'm like, I mean, is well, that what we're talking about here? Yeah, I mean, because the stuff I pick is like, I want the bad stuff. Um, anyway, all right, we're gonna take my go-to classic, uh, and that's some Sour Patch Kids. Okay. Uh, and and some peanut M Ms. Ooh. Okay. Both good. 
seems like we maybe are on a slightly different spectrums of the sweet versus savory. Oh, debate. don't you worry. I just you took Gardetto's first, so I knew all my savory picks were safe. Okay, interesting. I get two picks here. I'm taking combos with the next uh, one. Ah, yep, combos was on my list. <laughs> good, good choice. Good choice. Definitely taking combos with the next one. Oh man, this pick is a little. Oh man. Okay, I'm gonna take honey roasted peanuts. Do you do you have a uh, brand? Are you brand sensitive to your to your nut? Yeah. So. um I, I basically go one of two na- two ways. Obviously, Mr. Peanut or whatever, planters. like the main, yeah, Planters, the main one. Or some places, especially in the South, will have like local peanuts, right, of different oh, varieties. So you're a big local supporter. Yeah, if I'm at a place and that's what I want to get, like I'm going peanuts and they have some like local shit, I'll probably get the local shit. If it's just your random run-of-the-mill gas station, Give me the planters, honey roasted. Mm, delicious. I mean, I support it. Uh, okay. All right. I, I'm a planters guy myself, so support the nuts pick. Not a bad choice. Um, next, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take something that might be frowned upon in the Oregonian sector of the hundreds of thousands, but Ooh, okay. here we go. Uh, it's coming down the pipeline. Uh, give, me, give me beef jerky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so same question. Do you have a brand that you go with? Uh, okay. Uh, fun fact here: uh, as a beef, I like beef jerky, but it's really expensive depending yeah. on where you are in the country. Um, yeah. And but also, it's very wherever you are in the country, the 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 brand variety that you get or lack thereof is also dependent on where you are in the country. Um, so like Midwest, it's like Jack Links kind of like dominates. Um, yep. But you go to other parts like like Matador is like the big one in Texas and Oberto, like those kind of like which I don't even see Matador outside of, like in the actual beef jerky. You just see them in the stick form here. Yeah, I've seen Oberto, but yeah, I would have to really look to see Matador. Right, like so it's just funny. Um, so if you give me the choice, I'm taking Matador. Uh, but Jack Links isn't bad. Always, 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 always taking the spiciest uh, flavor you can find. Yeah, I had beef jerky on my list as well, and I said Jack Links peppered or similar to honey roasted peanuts, the local option because that's Ooh, something that old also trapper, was, old yeah. trapper slaps, and that's the local. That's like the local one in the Midwest. I think they're Michigan. Yeah, well, and in Michigan a lot, especially once you get like north of Grand Rapids, you stop in a gas station and any jerky in there or like little snack links are all from some like local fucking butcher or something like that isn't even necessarily branded. It's just like, you know, their friend down the road, basically, but it's like the best shit of all time. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's awesome. And they'll even put it in those like canisters with like you just lift it up there's no bags or anything you're yep. like bagging it yourself and it's like that it just smells like meat as soon as you lift the lid precisely anyway i'm there i've seen it i'm about it um l- next i'm taking a classic i can't believe we waited so long to steal this i think this is the steal of the draft give me gatorade yeah. i think that's a good pick i think that's a good pick um i'm gonna round it out here with my last two picks which I also think are classics. I'm going to take Pichos. Oh, 
I'm going to take an Arnold Palmer. I, uh, great picks. The uh, the Pichos uh, got eliminated as soon as I got Sour Patch Kids on uh, off my board. So gr- I totally respect the Pichos pick. Pichos are a great gummy candy. I'm a gummy candy connoisseur. I just felt if I doubled down, my big board would get annihilated. You're diversifying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Arnold Palmer, also a great pick. Also, major shout outs that they keep their prices at 99 cents for like three decades. Love it. Uh, I'm going to wrap us up here um, with, I'm going to go local, maybe. Uh, I think the Midwest has yet to, to recognize the, the greatness of this last pick, and I thought that I'm stealing it here. Um, give me Takis. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Midwest has not been as big into Takis. Uh, I've had them in Chicago a handful of times, but yeah, it's definitely not as prevalent as it is in other places. No, uh, but Takis Slap... And they do give you finger like the red fingers, which suck. But other than that, they do, they're very good. And on a road trip, easy to eat, which is what I'm looking for. Precisely. And packed with flavor. Tons of flavor, which is really Tons. all I'm here for. Tons of flavor. Uh, let's run our teams down before we get into any honorable mentions. I've got Gardetto's combos, honey roasted peanuts, peachos, and Arnold Palmer. And I've got Sour Patch Kids, Peanut M&M's, Beef Jerky, Gatorade, and Takis. Pretty good lists, I think. I think those are pretty good lists. I think so, Um, too. Any honorable mentions that you had from your big board that we did not mention? Yes, I had one to call out that I think uh, deserves a mention, and that's Chex Mix. Yeah, Chex Mix was on mine. It was actually pretty high on my big board, but I wasn't going to take Gardetto's and Chex Mix. Sim, yep, I know the pain. Diversify. but but Chex Mix is great. Um, the one that I think, well, I have to call out two. They're kind of my my chocolate candy go tos, especially in a gas station. Cosmic Brownies or Reese's Pieces. And see, I, you, you yeah, I mean, two great chocolate products, like two great chocolate products. Liked both of them for somebody who doesn't give a rat's hoot about uh, chocolate. So good choices. No argument for me there. Just would never get them on a road trip. Yeah, I would. I'm much more likely to get Reese's Pieces on a road trip because of the ease of eat than, right. than Cosmic Brownies. But man, sometimes a little Debbie. I mean, hold on. But you know. let me ask you this: Is any part of your body like my, I think part of me on a road trip avoids chocolate at all costs because I've grown up in the South where it's nine thousand degrees at all times. So chocolate is just a horrible choice because it's going to melt. Yeah, um, I guess I haven't ever thought about it that way it's more just uh yeah for snacks i generally go more savory than sweet cool love it support it me too that's that's more of it um okay this is episode number 60 we're getting into the time of it's going to be difficult to find athletes of these numbers i found one literally one who you got i got chuck bednarik who is that well uh, he was, I believe he played linebacker or something. The best, the defensive college football player of the year award is called the Bednarik award. So I figured he was somebody cool. I mean, it sounds like it. If he's got an award named after him, he sounds like a guy. I, I don't know. I don't know who that is. He played way back in the day, way back in the day. I had heard of his name, the bed, Bednarik, Bednarik, whatever, however you call his name as like the best defensive college player in college football via the NCAA football video games. Huh. All right, cool. Let's do it. 
I got nobody else. I mean, I could. I have an obscure pitcher, so I think a guy with an award named after him wins. He wins. Uh, any last words for the people here? Uh, folks, if you are not titulated by the two teasers we've given you uh, for the next two weeks and you're not already booking it on your calendar, uh, there's something wrong with you. Check your pulse. Check your pulse. <laughs> what does he say? Do I have a do I have a heartbeat or do I not? Is this or this is this not the XFL? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. All right, let's play football. <laughs> What an absolute beauty. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fellow de- degenerates like Mr. Munz and myself, who you just listened to talk for just over an hour. This has been episode number 60 of the Cutback Podcast. Until next time, keep your head on a swivel and try not to get laid the fuck out.